Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. As you can hear, it's me, Matt. I have got two um, guests with me today from the Scotland area. Dawn Glenn is here. Hello, Dawn. Hi there, Matt. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm preparing to be the subject of research on Tuesday. A research group who are working for a major media company were looking to just speak to the people about how they feel about their local area. And I mm. signed up and they phoned me up and I thought, oh, that's fine. It'll be an interview. They're coming to my house for three hours. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what, what I'm preparing for. <laughs> that's nice. As we know, I can happily talk for three hours. Mm. So it should be okay. Joining us from Virginia, we have got a very sleepy Mo Walker with us today. We record this in the afternoon here, around two o'clock normally. Mo has to be ready at nine in the morning, and he was telling us uh, before we came on the record that he was at a wedding. But Mo, it wasn't just any wedding, it was a Star Wars-themed wedding. So I think we should start the podcast by uh, learning a little bit more about that. Did you and and your partner dress up? How, How did that work out? She and I did not dress up. We were placed at tables from uh, different planets within star wars mythology so i was sitting at the mustafar table there was someone actually who was dressed as anakin all got these little mini figurines as as place settings that were stormtroopers they were holding a little flag with our names on them but there was a star wars theme cake star wars related music prior to the wedding beginning after the wedding my partner and i we got them some Star Wars related gifts, some uh, cookbooks, and we actually, I found a Star Wars gift bag to give to them. So, I mean, the couple, the bride and the groom, I mean, their boutonnieres had these little Lego minifigures of Han Solo and, and Princess Leia. So, oh, as long as the bride's going away out, it wasn't Leia's bikini. It's like honeymoon time. <laughs> <laughs> was there a lot of people in costume, or was it just one or two people? Or The preference was to wear polka dots. Because they're big in polka dots. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have two themes. So, this could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Dawn, did you have I any themes or anything when you got married? Funnily enough, I did. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Princess Bride was oh, uh, cool. the thing my husband and I met online and you know obviously when you're getting to know each other the, the things you know what you've got in common and it's both our favorite films 
So um, we had all the tables were locations from the film and the invitations were all designed on the film. And, and we both have matching As You Wish tattoos. So. Oh, that's really <laughs> cute. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Thank you very much. So on, on the podcast today, it's one of those sort of weird weeks, I suppose we're coming towards the summer now. And yeah, it's just an odd combination of shows. So we've got another Apple TV Plus drama. It's a bilingual drama called now and then we have on uh, Disney Plus Life and Beth starring Amy Schumer. Uh, we have got a comedy called Spreadsheet that is starring Catherine Parkinson that originally aired in Australia and is now uh, come to Channel 4. And another Channel 4 comedy which will be with us later this week, Big Boys, and that stars Dylan Llewellyn from Derry Girls. Just a quick chat, Dawn, on the Derry Girls finale, um, just quickly. The sort of, quote-unquote, final episode of the series was on the Tuesday, and it was half-hour like all the other episodes have been. And then on Wednesday, there was like an hour-long, almost like a reunion special, where it was a year later and they were all finishing school, and it was set during time of the signing of the Good Friday Agreement and the and the vote on that. It just felt to me like a real event because it wasn't a show that had been all put online already. So people were actually watching it on TV because they had to. You know, looking at Twitter, people were tweeting live while watching it. And I, I can't remember the last time that happened, really. Now it feels like people are watching things at different times and discovering shows at different times, you know. People are binging it all at once. But this just felt like everyone was sort of sitting down watching this show. I thought they got the balance just right of the humour and the gravitas of how much this meant to Northern Ireland. And as we said, Dawn, when we talked about the first episode, me and Sophie, the girls really, it's just something that they live with and it's not something they really think about. But in this final episode, obviously, it sort of spewed a mini spat between... Erin and Michelle, about Michelle's brother being in prison. And then later on, obviously, there was the vote on, on the agreement. So just general thoughts on it, Dawn. A real moment that um, nobody streamed ahead of time. I read that Lisa McGee said she'd originally had a script that was much funnier, because obviously it is a comedy series. But she decided to go down this route with the story about uh, Michelle and Erin falling out, which was obviously mini version of what was happening on a bigger scale in, in all of Ireland with people discussing what to vote for and I thought that was a really nice way to do it to bring it down to their level to show how this was affecting every single person and although it seemed like such an obvious answer of course you want to vote for peace there were complexities like Michelle's brother who was in prison and, and the fact that he would be released and what did that mean and um, I thought it was really, really moving. I, I also read that Lisa McGee said she didn't put anything about James and Erin in that final, which I did. I was a bit sad about, but I read that she said she wanted the focus to be on the, the friendship of all of them. I absolutely understand that reasoning. Um, I think that's that's a fair a fair reason to do it, you know. To keep the focus on what the show is about and not the, the friendship. Right. There was that hint, wasn't there, when you saw him editing his film at the yes. start when he was focusing. It very sort of almost reminds me of Love Actually in a way, <laughs> but yes. a lot less creepy. My thought always watching that was, are they going to at some point release James's documentary 
It was yeah, like, could yeah, they exactly. put that online or, or like surprise at Christmas or something like that? You know, we've been there. Because yeah. that's how it started, the series, wasn't it? And obviously at the end we saw him and he was filming a part of it at, at the party as well. But all his dance routine at the beginning I thought was tremendous. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Everybody says online, the music choices are so perfect. It adds so much to the show. The, the music choices they had throughout it. Yeah, and I love the um, the whole thing where James couldn't understand someone who hadn't seen Cool Runnings. That was one of my favourite. Yes. It's like, I don't trust these people, Michelle. They've never seen Cool Runnings. I was like, that's a brilliant line. Yes. I agree. It's Bronner Gallagher, isn't it, from The Commitments? Yeah. Showed up and yes. looked exactly the Showed same up. as she did 20, 25 <laughs> years ago. I said on Twitter. How many people can play the same person 20 years ago without any special effect? It's 30 years since the film has been out, you know. Wow. 92, I think, the commitments. Oh, well, even longer than I thought. <laughs> the scene between Erin and Joe, I thought, was really just that little moment. And then Joe leaving the polling booth with the little granddaughter. Oh, the way they focused on each person in, mm. the, in the polling booth, and we got to see every person process including Liam Neeson's Liam Neeson. character yeah I thought that was really good spoiler if you haven't seen it but I mean there was a massive discussion about it on Twitter as well the flash forward to the present day and Mo the the cameo was Chelsea Clinton oh, that's sweet <laughs> yeah because when we I think when a lot of people saw present day they were thinking oh are we going to have a reunion or are we going to have I think, like you said, the like the James and Arian moment or something. Yeah, that's like. what I thought. I really thought when I saw that Lisa McGee said, "Oh yeah, they do get together, but probably not for another, you know, ten, fifteen years or whatever." And I thought mm. that would have been ideal. I mean, I know they've said they're not doing any more, but I do think it's it's left open that they, we could drop back in with any of these characters, mm. even if it was just Sister Michael. The Sister Michael scenes were brilliant as well, and I think yeah. they left that ambiguous. And I think. We were talking Holding and Siobhan McSweeney's performance in that, and I thought the two or three scenes she had here where they said, you know, you're moving on, you're not going to be headmistress anymore, and those moments allowed us to see a little bit more other than the, you know, the actress who turns up and does a couple of big lines and then leaves again, you know. Yeah, and when she did, you said, you know, she phoned up the bishop and she said, I do good work here, and that it did show how much she does care. And it wasn't just about comfort and keeping her spot and her whiskey. <laughs> Amazing actress, and I'm sure we'll see her in a lot of other mm. stuff. I think one of the reasons that they are bringing it to a close in the same way um, we'll be talking about Stranger Things next week is that the actors now are getting other projects. And you could tell in this series that Nicola Coughlin obviously had other commitment. Yeah. The final episode, Claire had moved away after her dad had died. And the episode where they were all on the train as well, she obviously wasn't on the train and they did some scenes with her and Siobhan McSweeney in the office. But like, here's Claire for a moment. We'll do all her scenes so so the actress can, can do other things. When you've got a young cast and after a few years, yeah. they get noticed and get offered other roles and, and have to move on. We'll talk about because there is a connection later on when we when we talk about uh, Big Boys, but we'll uh, we'll park it there for now. And that is on um, all four now, if you haven't seen it. We'll do the plugs now. Do you want to just talk briefly about your uh, podcast? Yeah, my, my podcast is Geek Confidential. And actually right now we're on a little bit of a hiatus. We've 
still haven't discussed all the happenings with the CW, the network you plugged last week, Matt. <laughs> Did I? When you're doing, yeah, you, you talked about... <laughs> oh, yeah. Talked, last week was a bit of a blur, I have to say, Mo, but we were talking about the time traveler's wife, weren't we? I yeah, think. I thought that was a little bit ironic, you bringing up the CW mm. during that week where it was considered the red wedding of cancellations for that network <laughs> follow at is it at dr mo 77 your your twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm at dr mo 77 yeah and uh the geekconfidential.com dawn where, where are you currently on the shipyard are you still doing your a to z it's like everybody else that comes on the show we're saying uh we're on a hiatus at the moment because my uh co-presenter is finishing her master's in television so um that's more important <laughs> But yes, we're still on our A to Z of, of will they go at these ships. I think the last week posted was the Durrells, which we really love. Keely Hawes, who I think is appearing multiple times on our list because she was in Ashes to Ashes. But mm. Mm. Uh, she's a bit of a queen of these of these kinds of shows for in Britain. So um, we'll see where we'll go next. Spooks as well, was that? Oh yeah, Spooks, of course, yeah. I can't believe that that was 20 years ago. <laughs> A nice, nice segue there, Dawn. We have got an uh, article on the website at the moment uh, about 20 years of spooks. And we've also got a, a very in-depth article about the rise of Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, the podcast, as ever, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on the website, thecustardtv.com. Please rate, review and subscribe there. We've got, like, in total over 450 episodes, which is crazy. And actually, when we talk about big boys, it just made me think about how long we've actually been doing the podcast. <laughs> Talking telly on the Custard TV podcast. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Let's do it! Ready? Here we go. We will head over to Apple TV Plus for our first show of the day, and it is called Now and Then. And I'm going to try my best to set this up because it is sort of a little bit, not all over the place. It was a bit hard to follow, I I thought anyway. So it's set in Miami and it alternates between 2000 and the present day. It follows the story of a group of uh, former college friends. The setup and the first scene is them celebrating on the beach after they've all graduated. They all drink beer that is laced with, I believe it's ecstasy or some sort of drug. And one of their number, Alejandro, almost drowns. They then try and race him home or to a hospital or something. They crash their car and he dies. They all agree to cover it up. In the present day, we meet them all again. We've got Marcos, who in the uh, the opening scenes wanted to be like um, a pioneering sort of doctors without borders, helping other people. He's found himself now as a plastic surgeon. He comes from quite a wealthy family. He's getting engaged. Anna, who is Alejandro's former flame, she is played by, is it Anna de Amias, who was in uh, Roma and was nominated for an Oscar for that. Uh, She's married to Marcos, who was also one of the group. He is now running for mayor. Daniela is now a struggling single mother. And then we've got Maria, who looks like a sort of a bit of a free spirit. We see her sort of washing herself in a in a restroom, bathroom, things like that. The group then receive uh, these mysterious texts saying, you will have to come to the reunion that's being held. Uh, Marcus goes to leave and then they get another text saying, uh, you will have to pay, is it a million dollars by the end of the week? Yeah. million dollars by the end of the week. 
or um, will reveal your secrets in your, your part in Alejandro's death. So they all get this money together. There is then another reveal where they say, oh, this person is actually the blackmailer, but then that person is found dead as well. This brings in Flora Neruda, played by Rosie Perez, who we met in the flashback scene. She was on her first day on Homicide. Alejandro's death was the first investigation. And she has now, coincidentally, as is often the way in these dramas, turned up to investigate this drama and has found all of the tapes that we have seen played out in the flashback scenes. Danielle had made copies of them. So, you know, it's going to be her trying to uncover the past and and them sort of trying to hide what's happened. I'll go to to you first, Mo, on this one. What were your thoughts on, on this? Opening the scene in a Blair Witch style, you know, camera sequence, uh, s- similar to what you got last week with the Time Traveler's Wife. I-, I think that was an interesting setup. And I do like the whole premise of contrasting these friends who were bonded and then, you know, 20 years down the line, they've broken up for whatever reason. I'm always aghast when we have these types of shows <laughs> that were, that we're kind of covering these folks who were friends but are now not friends for whatever reason. I thought overall the acting was really good. I had a little bit of problems initially matching the younger versions, 2020 versions of characters with their present day characters. But you know what? But once I figured that out, it made things in my head a bit easier to navigate, you know, to kind of understand and pick up the motivations. My one thing is, is that I don't feel like I was Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal totally engaged and really interested in learning more because this first episode, we got so much information in this first episode. I don't have much room. We're like, why do I want to continue? You know, it's not like Yellow Jackets, which was a Showtime show that had a somewhat similar premise. To me, it just lacks something to keep me engaged and want to tune in to future installments. And actually, Mo, I written down Yellow Jackets as well. I don't know. That's maybe just a recent example, or I, I think that that did this format a lot better because you knew who everyone was. They'd cast people who looked very similar, and I think it helped that maybe more of the actors were known entities. One thing I didn't mention at the start is this is bilingual most of it is is in spanish the the interactions between the main cast i agreed with a lot of what you said there that that it's hard and actually 
Maria and Daniela in, in the modern scenes, I think you don't spend a lot of time with them as compared to the other three, I felt. I struggled to separate those two, really. They didn't seem to spend as much time on those that the other three felt more fully formed. Marcos and, and Anna, you knew sort of where their stories were going. Dawn, what about you? Are you feeling similar or...? Just it's Sophia, not Maria. Just oh, see. And, oh. Uh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Maria is Marco's uh, mother. I, I I agree that is a huge part of the problem. In all the mm. early flashbacks, I had no idea who was who, and I thought, oh, I'm a hideously racist that I think all Latinx actors look alike. But no, they just really did look alike. And I mean, there was a flashbacks to the the characters having sex. I still don't mm. know who it was. <laughs> no. Because it was just, you know, a flashback. And I thought, uh, I don't know which two that was. Are we supposed to think somebody was cheating on somebody else? Or is the Because um, Anna was having a relationship with Alejandro, but now mm. she's married to Pedro, mm. uh, who's the, now the, the politician. For me, my biggest problem with the show was the entire premise, I felt, was so flimsy in that why did they cover up his, his death? The only thing I presume they were doing wrong was that they were taking ecstasy. Mm. Um, all they had to do was, as they did, put him in the driver's seat. Am I showing my criminal mind? I was thinking they should put him in the Don't, What did you get up to at uni? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a series. <laughs> but I just thought, why earth didn't they just say, oh, he was drunk driving or taking drugs? Mm. And we crashed, and he died, and the, nothing is very. I, I, I suppose actually the only, I, and, and I agree with you, but I suppose the only thing is that none of them were possibly thinking straight because they were all under the influence, possibly worried that they would get implicated in this and it would affect like their future careers. That's the only thing yeah. I can think. Of. But actually, you're sort of twenty twenty one. You're sort of all young and you you are experimenting so you know especially if they hadn't sort of driven if they just sort of called for someone when he got in the water yes. that was the thing yeah you know he's drowning let's call someone i think that that possibly at that point i think once they got in the car it becomes a a, a, a felony doesn't it but i think yeah when you're on the beach and someone's drowning i, I think that's that yeah. was well, like the, the moment i would go Let's call nine 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 or nine one nine nine one one. I do struggle with Rosie Perez from time to time. I mean, she can be. I, I quite liked her in in what I saw of the flight attendant. Uh, Luke, Luke was a big fan of that, but I struggled with her as as the cop here. As like she wasn't particularly likable either, and I think she needs to be like you know you're on her side to an extent. But I didn't really believe her as a rookie. I don't like dead bodies, but you're in homicide. <laughs> and, and and the actor who was her partner, is it Zelsko Ivanek? Is that right? Who was in a lot of yeah. programmes in the early and mid 2000s. He was in, was it 24 and Heroes and uh, Damages, famously, I remember him from. I didn't recognise him at first. I saw his name on the cast list. He's sort of got a bit buff, hasn't he, in his, in his later years? He's always a villain, but it's clear based on his actions, you know, he wants to sweep things under the rug very quickly, move on, you know, just declare this like a, mm. you know, a, just a tragic accident. Clearly, he's a little bit bent. 
I don't know if that's the right word, but this is a kid who's drunk at the wheel. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Open and shut, let's all go home. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. That's what how I felt the character was portrayed anyway. And again, I'm probably bringing in my preconceived my preconceptions of him in uh, his list of IMDb roles. If you <laughs> are familiar with the shows he's been in, most of the time he's a straight up villain or shifts over um, to being quasi decent to becoming mm. a full blown villain. And and so I'm just assuming this is what he's going. This the this is the route he's taking in this. But they've given him a moustache in this, Mo, is the thing. So he looks, he's more, you know, because normally he's like the bald head, the glasses. I always thought he looked a bit ill in a lot of the programs he was in as well back in the day. It just all felt a bit off. And as you said, Mo, there just didn't seem to be that intrigue. And it's interesting as well, because a lot of the Apple TV shows this year have had massive talking points, even if we haven't liked all of them you know there was there's been things to talk about but this felt like it sort of was just slipped in under the radar there hasn't been a great deal of reviews of it when i when i googled it you know no one in the uk has really talked about it much so it just seems like one that they maybe produced and then like didn't really have that much confidence in even though you know it's got some names in there it didn't really make me want to watch on. And, and Mo, you, you obviously felt the same. Did you feel the same as well, Dawn? Yeah, no, I, I struggled even to get to the end of the first episode. I just mm. thought, I just thought I don't really care enough about any of them. I think it was the structure of it. If they mm. started on just the, the couple on Anna and, and Pedro and, and shown us that this thing was in both their past and it was going to affect his chance of being a, a successful politician, that might have been a more interesting road mm. into the story than the, the way they told it. I don't know if a lot of this stuff will be explained later in the series or not. Like when they said, you know, you have to have a million dollars each, and we saw them all think, like uh, Sophia and, and Danielle say, oh, I don't have a million dollars, or I don't have a million dollars. And then like two scenes later, they're bringing in their million dollars. Mm. And there was no explanation of, how they got it. And we didn't spend a lot of time with them to know no. could they afford it or not. We had like one scene with Daniela, I think, where she was looking at a photo of a child or something. And yes. The way they sort of balanced it was very much Pedro, Anna and Marcos are the three characters and then these two women are also here. Yes. <laughs> the other thing as well is it being a subtitle show, you have to pay more attention to it because you're you know you're reading half of it and I you know I enjoy a, a foreign drama but I think if if it's something you're not into and it's forcing you to look at the screen because otherwise you won't understand what the characters are saying I think that's an, that was another element to it yeah I, I struggled to get through I had to do this in two sittings so it is a bit of a, a, an odd misfire for, for Apple TV plus I have to say but uh, the first three episodes, as often is the case with, with Apple TV, are on there now. And uh, then it's an episode per week. Next up, we turn to Disney+. Plus. Uh, we've got Life and Beth, we're starring Amy Schumer. Dawn, do you mind just uh, running us through the basics of this? Is that all right? Yeah, Amy Schumer, uh, written, directed. Uh, she stars as Beth, who is a woman in her late 30s in New York, has a long-term boyfriend, Matt, that she lives with, and they both work 
for a um, wine sales company. She's very dissatisfied with her life, but doesn't really know how to put her finger on what it is she's dissatisfied. We see her meet up with her mum and they have a difficult relationship. They obviously are close, but her mother's one of these, you know, always pointing at her flaws and you should should be doing this, you should be doing that. I do so well. And uh, they have a big fight in a, a clothes shop. And um, the uh, heart is saying I love you, but in shouted voices. And uh, that evening, Beth is at a karaoke party at her uh, her work. They're having all her work colleagues are there and they're insisting, no, you have to do karaoke. And she gets a phone call from her sister, who uh, also someone she seems close to, but estranged from at the same time. She obviously speaks to her, her sister says, you only phone whenever you want to complain about mom. And her sister phones and says there's been an accident and uh, uh, mom was attacked at home and she died. And she uh, is dealing with that and it, it facilitates her a complete change in her life. She goes back to Long Island where her, her family is from to deal with her mother's estate. And through it, we see a lot of flashbacks to her teenage years and, and her family life and starts explaining why Beth is the way she is, why her mother is the way she is, why her this relationship with her sister is. She was very close to a girl called Liz and we don't know, at the start, we don't know why they've somehow become very antagonistic towards each other. A mention of Liz's name is people apologise for it. So something has happened, which we, we go through the series where we find out. She breaks up with Matt <laughs> and decides this is this is her. She's going to, you know, start a new life, and and and, and this the death of her mother brings on a lot of, of events to make her look at her own life, and and it's a lot of flashbacks. Mm. Uh, so it's basically oh, oh, not quite half and half, but it is a a huge amount. Is it in her childhood? And her, her father played by uh, Michael Rapport. Mo, had you watched any of this? This was on earlier in the year on Hulu. Had you watched any of this prior to uh, me asking you to uh, watch it for the podcast? No, I hadn't actually. And um, kind of wish I had beforehand because I really did enjoy it. Right, okay. And did any, I mean, I asked you both to watch two episodes. Did anyone go further than that? Well, I cheated because I watched the first three and I thought, Oh, I kind of want to see how this ends, but I didn't want to watch 10. So I just watched the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is a comedy drama, but with, let's say, half hour programmes, sometimes you need to watch two to sort of get a handle on it. But I I still felt that after two, I wasn't quite sure where we were going, because, as you say, at the end of the second episode, she says to her sister, I'm going to split up with Matt after he's proposed to her. Uh, with a flash mob cover of Like a Virgin, <laughs> as you do. As you say, the karaoke thing as well was um, was interesting, the, the use of the sign by the bass, which I thought was <laughs> after you've just found out <laughs> your mum has died. Dawn then, so obviously you, you enjoyed this. What I suppose, what, why did you, what, what did you think? What was the enjoyment <laughs> level? I, I just I enjoyed it despite the fact I'm not a fan of Amy Schumer at all. So I went into it expecting to really hate it. I didn't find it very funny, but I did find it moving. I think more because of the story of her of her youth, more than the current story and the, 
the characterization of who she was and her relationship with Matt and all that stuff. I was interested in her family life and what she'd gone through, what her and her sister had gone through. I found her and her sister's relationship really interesting and I wanted more of that. And and why what had happened, we saw them getting um evicted from their house and you know the bailiff coming and what her father had done and and her mother seemed um very well not successful but certainly not suffering and I thought how did they get from that point I thought the direction actually is one of the things that I really noticed I thought was really good I think she Amy Schumer is obviously I think she has a, a, a talent for that so a lot of the shots were interesting and you know when we see her going into the karaoke bar and there's a tree just blowing in the wind in the background and then when she comes out she finds out her mum's died and then the, the tree fell off Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and Anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello. I, I find it, I think, a bit more original. In, there's a lot of these shows at the moment of the woman in chaos, the single woman in chaos. And it reminds me a lot of the, the show we did a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, The Single Drunk Female. Because she goes home and we we find out about her home life and her difficult relationship with her mother. It reminded me a lot of that, but I found single drunk female much funnier. (laughs) And I found this moving rather than Mm. funny. So I think it failed as as a comedy to me, but I enjoyed it on that level. The phrase I used to describe when I was making some notes was muted. You know, her her performance is very low-key I mean I'm not really aware of Amy you know I know she's a massive presence in America though the only thing I've really seen of hers is a train wreck which I quite enjoyed really but I think that's possibly more for Bill Hader than than Amy Schumer (laughs) for me there was sort of wild shifts in tone here as well because all of Amy Schumer's scenes as Beth felt like her trying to rein back her persona you know this is a different path for me I I'm trying to do something that isn't like in your face which I you know I get the impression that a lot of her comedy is and then suddenly like we have like the flash mob or we'll have Hank Azaria pop up as a funeral director who is fasting or a, a rabbi who is on snapchat or I'm sure the character Mo identified with most was the guy who kept wanting to sing Moana songs on the on the karaoke <laughs> for me I, I just feel like amy schumer in this role it, it's like she's shifting she's morphing for what we previously have gotten from her like you mentioned train wreck the, the netflix show that she had i would say she's she's elevating her her acting game i i i think that the humor in this is a bit more of the on the ironic side we're supposed to chuckle and laugh because the viewer is supposed to 
see themselves in that situation. Maybe they experience that situation. They know someone who's experienced that situation. I wouldn't necessarily say that this is laugh out funny, but I, I do think it does really do a good job of straddling that line between comedy and drama and probably leans more on the drama side most times. I, I suppose what I'm saying is I could feel her trying to do that. You know, I, it didn't feel like effortless to me. I would compare it to somebody somewhere again. I'm not familiar with with Bridget Christie, who I believe works with Amy quite a lot. And Sarah brought it up when we talked about it on the podcast that she also has quite a, a, a sort of large personality and is quite open about her sex life and things like that. But somebody somewhere, she does a similar performance where she's someone who's come back to her hometown to to care for her her sister who was ill and subsequently died and is sort of trying to find her purpose in life around the same age. And to me, that felt a lot more effortless. And that does have like moments of joy in there with the drama as well and the relationship with her parents and her other sister. That's all packed in there. So it, it felt very similar to me. It, it did feel like a star trying to do something different, but I felt like I could see her trying and it was almost... I'm doing this, look at me, you know, this is my serious moment. Nothing sort of fit together for me, but obviously, you know, you you both enjoyed it a lot more than I did by the sounds of things. forgot to mention as well that uh, it's, it also stars Michael Cera as um, John, who is a, a character that she meets uh, on a, a wine, uh, a, a vineyard when she, she goes to um, uh, represent them. And, and he's, um, I think, possibly he's supposed to be autistic or on the... The spectrum because when I skipped to the end, <laughs> I was smiling for the reason to some of his behaviours, and I thought, oh right, okay, because he's very blunt and very just sort of, you know, okay, I'm leaving now to her. So I, I, I don't know if that's something that's explored further on in the series, but they obviously they have a chemistry and they have a relationship of, of some kind of romantic relationship. I didn't find that intrigued me. Obviously, I'm all about the ships, mm. and I wasn't. I wasn't intrigued by that aspect at all. All I was interested in was her, was her family life. But I, I, I agree with, with, with what you're saying, Matt. I do feel it was very conscious the way she was portraying herself as, as this a, a different character and trying not just to be Amy Schumer. I, I think it worked to a degree, but I, I do think you are always aware that's Amy Schumer. <laughs> you know, and there's certain things she said that I know are, are akin to her stand-up comedy and things and you that i always think no no leave that aside completely to me the first two episodes give you enough context and is enough of a launch pad because that death of her mother forces her to go back to long island to confront some issues at the end of the second episode she's decided that hey maybe i need to break off from the path that i'm currently on you know, and maybe I should learn something from my mother's death and go try to live my life the way I should see it. So I, I think, to me, you, you get enough that it kind of launches you into subsequent episodes. But again, I've only seen the first two. Dawn, you're going to be filling in the gaps and are you going to sort of continue with this, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so as I said, that is all on Disney Plus now. Now, as I say, I asked both of these guys to watch two episodes of Life and Beth. I also asked them to watch two episodes of the next show, uh, Spreadsheet. And then I'd watched the first two episodes and said, if you don't want to watch them, 
you don't have to watch the second episode. Guys, did you go on to watch the second episode? I did. I did. Good sports. Um, I'd not heard of this at all, but it had the lead-in from the final series of Derry Girls, the first two episodes, uh, straight after on Wednesday. This is a comedy starring Catherine Parkinson. It is set in Australia. Uh, it's written by Carl Ellis, who is a UK-born writer. Having looked at her IMDb, this seems to be the first series that she's done. She's the creator. Parkinson plays Lauren. She's recently divorced. She's got two young daughters. She's now decided to hit the dating scene. She's using the app. She's trying to find specifically younger men to have no-frills liaisons with. The opening scene features her enjoying, or a man enjoying her, let's just say, (laughs) in a car park. (laughs) Uh, Very much a sex comedy. The spreadsheet in the title is something that she and her assistant Alex have compiled to find partners for her, what their interests are, how sort of they stack up, let's say, in the in the bedroom department. But obviously, as things go on, uh, things go awry. For example, Lauren's lack of technical prowess is a big thing in the second episode. Now, Dawn, you said you'd heard of this previously. A friend had had mentioned this. Yeah. Um, Amy Beth, who writes who writes for the, the Cast of TV as well, uh, she's a big Captain Parkinson fan, and she had pre-warned me about this and said uh, it was the equivalent of top porn. So <laughs> I was warned <laughs> from the first scene. <laughs> yeah, I was not a fan of this at all. Captain Parkinson is fantastic, as, as she always is. So there's no explanation of why she decided that this is what she wanted to do and how she wanted to feel a certain way or or had a field date and thought no you know what I'm just wanting no strings and how her assistant became involved in creating the spreadsheet and uh, an obvious thing to say but if this was a male character mm. who was creating the spreadsheet about women and giving them marks out of 10 it would be horrific so I, I understand obviously it's a, a different situation but it just felt yeah. weird. You saying that, I think even though it isn't, it's saying, oh, isn't it funny that a woman's doing this? Do you know what I mean? It's sort of poking yes. fun at, you know, women, you know, shouldn't be doing this in a way. It's it's hilarious yes. that, that she is. And actually, why shouldn't she be doing this? Do you know what I mean? Maybe she shouldn't be compiling a spreadsheet Certainly after a divorce, maybe she doesn't want to jump into a relationship and that's absolutely fine. It's It was really odd to me. I was trying to do a bit of research on this because this seemed completely bizarre that you've got Catherine Parkinson jumping over to Australia to, to do this. And I couldn't find her doing any press on this whatsoever in terms of when it's come over to Channel 4. But I did find um, an interview with her. It was a paper in the Sydney Herald, I think, from last year when it was airing on uh, Paramount Plus in Australia. She described the comedy as quite radical, which I would disagree with. It feels very old-fashioned. She said it was quite jarring, but in an important and honest way. <laughs> um, but this this was the most telling thing, she said. She concedes that at the point of London's lockdown, the idea of going to the other side of the world was part of the appeal. So I do hope she enjoyed her, her <laughs> holiday in, in Australia. Um <laughs> does feel slightly and actually thinking about it that maybe the the original sitcom that that Carla Ellis was trying to write 
was about the woman of, of Catherine Parkinson's age. The character is meant to be late 30s, Catherine Parkinson's in her early 40s, and still wanting that sort of active sex life with younger men and maybe exploring that a little bit more. But the the predominant things here were very old-fashioned, very, as you say, like soft porn, carry-on films, confessions of a window cleaner. Oh, I've had this relationship with this rugby player. Oh, he's my daughter's PE teacher. You know, my (laughs) my daughter's bought a used condom for show and tell. There was a running gag in the second episode about a man producing a lot of uh, of his own seed, let's just say. The central mystery of the second episode. And it just felt very old-fashioned. And I don't know if it started off as something different and then, like, executives got involved and it said, we need more sex gags, we need more traditional, jokey things. You know, the big scene at the end of the first episode is the car gets impounded and everything gets crushed in it. Mo, any any thoughts on this? Parkinson's character of Lauren reminds me of this amalgamation of Samantha and Miranda from Sex and the City. It's like really bringing those two two characters together. Now, I do also feel like uh, Spreadsheet would complement Sex and the City reruns. So I can see the appeal of doing the show and I can I can understand where they're coming from. But I do agree with you and and Don that there should have been more of a setup. We should have gotten an origin in this first episode explaining why is she keeping the spreadsheet? How did it come about? How did how did she rope Alex involved? And at first I thought Alex was like a personal assistant. And Alex is another is is another attorney. So it's like how do you get one of your attorney colleagues roped into something like this? Is he like a paralegal or you know like a, a second, you know, so she's you know, I'm basing this purely off the good wife that they'll have like a... <laughs> Well, see, I got it's just it's just mind boggling that you have your work colleague who's this assistant lawyer, you know, snapping pictures of your vagina <laughs> in, in a restroom and then airdropping it to the character of Lauren, who did screws that up and it's sent to everyone in her contacts. Again, Which is a very tired, old fashioned gag that you know, she's seemingly on one hand very up to date on the dating apps, but has never heard of Snapchat before. And maybe you say that about Alex, he seemed to enjoy it as well. He seemed to like being involved. And... Well, I get the sense, yes, he, he enjoys being involved up to a point. But I think where he draws the line is actually meeting them and actually doing the things that he was asked to do in the second episode. I do understand why this seems somewhat old-fashioned. But at the same time, I can see where there would be an audience for this. And again, as I mentioned before, it just my mind just went back to Sex and the City immediately once I, when, I, when I first started watching this. But Sex and the City was clever with it, and this wasn't. I've got a limited knowledge of Sex and the City, I have to say. Sex and the City did have moments like this, but it also had sort of more tender moments. You seem to understand the characters a lot more, and as you say, like, the character, a lot of these are thinly drawn characters, even Lauren, I mean, seems really bad at her job as <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, part of the problem, as you mentioned, Matt, is that it blurs the line between when her work, her home life, and her sex life, all three of these personas start 
blending together, that's when the problems ensue. And I think that, you know, the writer, she she thinks that blending the three of these aspects makes for great comedy. And I think it does up to a point. Did you laugh then, though? Did do you find it funny? Because you seem to be the most positive one of the three of us. Did, did it make you laugh at any point? Because it didn't me. And Dawn, did it make you laugh? Was there any I moment? laughed once. <laughs> do you remember what, what the joke was? was? The, yes, the scene at the end of the first episode when the family are going to the impound lot and the, and the daughter's concerned about her book about the Roman Empire and it somehow becomes the Mormon Empire. And then mm. the, the women saying, no, you can't call people Mormons morons now. <laughs> I found that a bit funny, but that was it. <laughs> yeah, and actually I thought the two young actresses playing the daughters were actually, you know, probably one of my favourite yeah. parts of this moment. With a, you know, did you laugh more than myself or Dawn? I mean, I found a few instances that were funny. I mean, the first, the first scene of the second episode I thought was kind of funny with the winds or not. And the guy into like really rough role play. And then he actually puts on his mask incorrectly. And I think they're few and far in between. To me, the energy dropped in the show mm-hmm. when her ex-husband Jake was on screen because he's a bit of a doofus. So what you're saying is you wouldn't have believed that these two were ever married. Is that, is that part of the issue? Uh, um, no, because I, I know I've know people who've been in relationships with people. <laughs> It's just the people I shouldn't have been in a relationship with. So no, it doesn't. This doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it's just odd, and Catherine Parkinson usually makes good choices. And you know, we talked about Here We Go, which is still on BBC One, and and feels like a lot more her. She possibly wanted to push herself out of the comfort zone and play a different type of character, but it just didn't feel like it suited her at all. She felt wrong for this role and feels like something that originally was written differently and has been passed around by a lot of executives and just has got similar. And, and the gag you mentioned, Mo, I, I'm, it's something that, that's been done before and been done better. And I think, you know. The fact it's called Spreadsheet, I thought if it had been much more about Spreadsheet and the guy she meets and hilarious antics of, the, the weird situation she finds herself in, that would have made more sense. But it doesn't make sense that it's called spreadsheet. If the spreadsheet that, that she kept was about trying to balance her life, that would have made mm. more sense. Calendars should be probably a more apt name yeah. for this because, I mean, by the time, <laughs> especially when you get to the second episode and then all of her calendars are starting to get screwed up. And I feel like we sli- we've slipped into semantics now about this. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday nights, double bills and for the next two weeks, and it is all on all four now. And finally, another uh, comedy. It will be coming, when you listen to this, it will be coming this following Thursday, so it hasn't actually aired yet. So we'll try not to spoil uh, too much of it. It is called Big Boys, and when I um, asked these guys to watch it, Mo said he was looking forward to sampling Big Boys. Uh, so, Mo, would you like to... Uh, just run us through the basic building blocks of this, if, you, if you'd if be so kind. Jack, whose father had just recently passed, at the, at the start of the show, he's, he's, he's 17. Him and his mom, Peggy, are trying to go through the grieving process. There's this whole really fun, fun I, I would fi- find funny scene about, you know, folks dropping off lasagnas for him and everything. You know, we go through a year or so of the, of the grieving process, and then we get to a point where Jack 
who is closeted. He, he's not quite sure how to express himself as a young gay man. He ultimately ends up at uni where through a weird, what I like to say, fresh meat type of circumstances where he's roomed with an old, another older student, Danny, who's 25. They're not in a traditional residence hall. The two clearly have different backgrounds. Uh, Danny, who I would say a big strapping lad type type of fella. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but he's he's very much like a, a, a lad, right? Whereas yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack is is you know, as you say, quite nervous, quite closeted, and he is very much the the type that you'd see on like a Ibiza Uncovered documentary <laughs> back in the day. So the setup, you know, is this very much this odd couple who are roommates, even though on paper it wouldn't look like they would have much in common. Over the course, and particularly by the, I think by the end of the first episode, the foundation is laid for a wonderful friendship. We meet other uh, students at, at the university, uh, Corinne, Yimmy. Uh, <laughs> there's a funny sort of sequence between Jack and Yimmy, which, which in some ways kind of reminds me of a sequence in it's a sin but but mm. definitely much more play for I, laughs cleaner is, yeah it's yeah. a bit cleaner too it's a bit cleaner. more innocent i suppose yes innocent innocent is probably the best word yeah. for it and then by the end of the second episode you're getting to really know the core cast corinne who is i would say a, a self-described like feminist character would bonds these three characters in common is is i would think the crux of what the second episode is it gives you a rationale for why these folks would want to be friends we also have shannon played by harriet webb who is weirdly one of those folks who never escaped uni you know she went there and then she's a residential advisor his character she I, she really does a good job of whole, of the glue that kind of bonds everything together this is a sort of semi-autobiographical work by a stand-up comedian called Jack Rook, who also narrates it in a weird, you know, we've got Dylan Llewellyn playing Jack and he says, this doesn't look anything like me. You know, they cast someone who's a lot more handsome than I am. When his dad dies, it's 2011. There's a lot of cultural references. I don't know how many Mo got. That's one of the things I was thinking where, does Mo know who Alison Hammond is, for example? Because they've called the goldfish Alison Hammond. No, um, I, 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 so look, but here's the thing. I was happy to look it up. <laughs> he gets calmed down by being read like what's on TV and things like that, which is, is quite sweet. And reading a little bit behind this, Jack Rook, he did uh, two stand-up shows in Edinburgh, which were about this. His dad died, I believe, when he was 15, when he was doing his GCSEs. It's very, very loosely based. He didn't want to write this is my life sort of thing. So this is a lot of this isn't what happened to him at uni. He says the Danny character is an amalgam of about four different people that he knew there. The one thing for me here, which was a little bit off putting was, are we really nostalgic for the early 2010s already? It made, it made me feel about 102 because working out the Katie Wicks character, I think would have been at uni about the same time as me. <laughs> Maybe a couple of years earlier than me, but she said like she was class of 2000 and I started uni in 2001 and I'm like, and like the references to Gavin and Stacey and Take Me Out and wasn't that just the other day? You know, Luke started the podcast in 2011. I started the podcast in 2012. So actually a lot of this is set when we've been on the podcast for a couple of years and that made me like, 
it made me question all my life decisions. I mean, Mo, can I just ask, you know, so you, were you aware of this before? Because you obviously said you'd been looking forward to it. Yeah, actually, I'd, I'd heard about it. I read some press because I guess it was press conne- connected to Dairy Girls. And they were talking about uh, Dylan Llewellyn's next project. Camille uh, Kadori, and I, I always mispronounce her. Like, yeah, uh, I think and, that's that's right. Who plays his mom, Peggy. You know, I was familiar with her from 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 Doctor Who. But there was a, such a sweetness about what I'd read about this and a charm. And we've gotten a number of shows that autobiographical that are set 10, 15, 20 years in the past that's reflective. But I think this is the type of of show, once you get to know the characters, you want to keep back, keep coming back and see these characters grow. And, and, and that was what, what drew me to it. Again, just doing some research on this, John Pointing, who plays uh, Danny, is quite close friends with Jack Rook. And apparently Dylan Llewellyn was brought in because Jack Rook's also very close to Nicola Cochran, just going back to what we were talking about before. All the cast are very close to this. And I found where it sort of differed, where I felt maybe it was a bit more unique, was in that character of Danny, who was when he found out that Jack was gay, was very accepting of it and was straight away, let's find you a man. This is, you know, what you've got to do. Let's get you on all the apps. He's also very nervous about people finding out that he has to take medication. I don't know, did we find out what his condition is? I, I didn't... Depression. Oh, was yeah, it? Depression, oh, right, yeah. okay. So he's embarrassed. I mean, there was that scene with Katie Wicks with the big hand saying, pointing the finger at you for doing <laughs> drugs. Yeah, but he is sort of a very sweet character and outwardly is very much the lad. But when you peel back those layers, you know, he he's sort of ends up with the, the girl who's very sort of sniffy about him, thinks he's this guy. And then, you know, he, he does something when they all go to a gay club that endears him to her. And I, I felt that more than... The Jack character to me was what made this stand out a little bit more. What about you, Dawn? Yeah, that, I totally agree. I thought that was really refreshing. Obviously, when you see the, the trailers and the Jack the Lad, the geezer character of, of Danny, you kind of assume where it's going. So it was really refreshing that he's so... You, you get a clue from the when they're setting up their rooms and you see he has a picture of himself with his grand. And we find out later on that he, says his grand basically uh, raised him and so you get this clue that he, there's much more to him and, and as you see how he reacted and he's the one that's informing Jack about what all the letters in L- LBTQIA stand for it was really sweet that's exactly what he is he's a really sweet character well it, it was surprising that you know so quickly he got together with the with the Corinne character but it's not surprising in the sense we could see how what a lovely guy he is and I agree, it's definitely the unveiling of him and the, the bringing out the layers to find out more about him is more interesting than Jack discovering himself, though I assume will to some degree. I laughed more in the first five minutes of this than I have at any of the other shows. Yeah, other- like mentioning those references, it very much felt like we need to sort of do maybe sort of something similar to Derry Girls where we get the 90s references in quite a lot, but actually I felt they calmed down a lot more in the second episode. Linking it back to Life and Beth, obviously this is about dealing with a 
death of a parent as well and it felt similarly I lost my dad when I was 21 so you know I had you know a reference point almost and this felt a lot more believable to me this was you know I, I'm trying to sort of get over this and I think and then he just shuts down and they have to defer uni for a year and 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 I I, I like the fact that the the mum Peggy is now driving the black cab that the dad had and she's very like anti-Uber you know there are sort of sitcom elements in there but it does have that authenticity that both of the other shows that we've talked about I didn't feel had to me you know you obviously this is based on elements of Jack Rook's life and he's here as the narrator which I, I don't know if it needed a narrator I don't know if you felt what did you think about that element of it I thought it was very interesting is uh, towards the end of the first episode he says something about and that was when the moment I knew you you and I would become friends and then it becomes clear that the whole show is he's talking to Danny so mm. I don't know if there's some reveal that's going to come later down the line of why the show is dedicated to Danny. I don't know if that's something. At times, certainly opening and closing an episode, but there was a there were some moments when he he broke in to I guess maybe either add some context or or his own spin on that particular scene, and I thought that took you out of those episodes. So. Personally, I feel like if, if you could just limit it to opening and closing an episode, that would be great. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate having a narrator. Okay. You know, having read that it's only sort of very loosely based on his experience, I suppose, and that there isn't a Danny, so to speak, and, you know, this isn't one person in his life. It's it, it, I don't know. It, it just felt to me that if we didn't have the narration would we still know what's going on? And I thought, yes, we would. I think, you know, those performances are strong enough and those characters are strong enough. And I just felt like Luke in the back of my head saying it was completely, it completely took it out of it when Jack Rook was speaking about Dylan Llewellyn looking a lot more handsome than he is. And, you know, I think of the four shows we've discussed, this was definitely the one that I enjoyed the most and, you know, would consider watching the rest of them. Uh, when when it airs on Thursday, it will be all on all four, like so often is the way. And again, maybe, you know, when we discussed Dairy Girls at the beginning, you know, I don't know if, if there will be more conversation about a lot of the shows this year if they had not gone straight on to the various streaming services. So, I mean, guys, of the four shows we've discussed, what 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 was your favourite this week? I'm, I am genuinely intrigued. Big Boys was mm. my, my favourite. But I did really enjoy uh, the two episodes of Life and Beth. I think that it's a close second. Big boys for me. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mary, you're glad you sampled big boys in, in, in summation there. Um, <laughs> that's the the uh, the end of the podcast this week. Thanks to Dawn and Mo for joining me. I hope you had a good time. Uh, yeah, always enjoy being, being invited on the show. When they're back in rotation, Geek Confidential and the Shipyard, when they finish their... Hiatai. I don't know if that's the, uh, the plural hiatus. <laughs> at DrMo77, and Dawn's got two Twitter handles. I don't know which one she'd like you to follow. Follow Dawn Glenn, too. Unless you want to hear me talk about politics and bowel movements, then you can follow Ickles of Twit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I am at Matt's TV Bites, and the site is at Luke Custard TV. That is the custardtv.com. We will be back at the same time next week uh, with a podcast that Mo is really going to wonder why he's not been invited on because we'll be talking about Stranger Things and Obi Wan Kenobi. Also, Sky's update of the Midwich Cuckoos, which does uh, star Keely Hawes. So, yeah, so that'll all be uh, next week. Please, as I say, rate, review and subscribe us on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you next week. Thanks and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.